8.17 and the music signals our radio salon as we welcome here in the studio Professor Choi Kyung from Hong University's Law School. Good morning. Good morning. And Mr. Jung Hwang, Independent Legal Research with Law Quant LLC, who will bring us our first topic today. Good morning. Morning, Alex. Although I think there's a theme with both topics which we will discover in due course uh, under the broad topic of the sharing economy. So let's uh, hear what you've got for us. Well, what I, uh, the one company that I want to talk about this morning is WeWork and its rise and more specifically very rapid fall, if you can call it that, that we've witnessed in basically past two months. I mean, uh, if you sort of pay attention to this, you know, share, uh, so-called sharing economy, you know, sharing cars, sharing um, houses, sharing office spaces. I mean, WeWork was a really, well, still is a, a pretty big name. So probably most highly valuable. Uh, valued, privately held company branding itself as a high-tech leader in the co-working space industry, has a number of buildings around Seoul as well, and I think they recently opened some spaces in Busan as well. But, uh, in, you know, Basically, from August to September of this year, they tried to go uh, go public, basically filing, uh, trying to do an initial public offering in the United States that failed. We can get into that uh, more later. Mm-hmm. Now, there are rumors swirling around by you know, possible bankruptcy, except that yesterday it was uh, reported that they accepted a rescue offer, basically being bought out by their largest backer, SoftBank. A lot going on then with with WeWork on the business side. Uh, Professor Choi, have you ever tried one of these offices out before? I personally haven't, but I do have some friends who, you know, um, who have a startup that have leased uh, spaces in WeWork office. I do have to make an objection before we start because a lot of people describe, I mean, um, give WeWork as, you know, a prime example of the sharing economy. But... um, as Mr. Wang just said, the so-called sharing economy, I mean, WeWork definitely isn't an example in my books because the definition of sharing economy is the use of idle asset and putting it, you know, to to work. Mm. You know, so, for example, um, Airbnb would be a, at least initially, it was an a perfect example of sharing economy because it was using uh, rooms that people were not using in their houses and then um, letting people, you know, uh, stay there uh, for a fee. So, for example, um, during the Rio Olympics, um, it was projected that the city would have had to build something like, you know, 1,200 more um, hotels or new accommodation, but they managed not to do that, but actually um, was able to use uh, spare rooms in people's homes, etc., and mm. didn't have to you know, invest so much capital. Now, WeWork, their business model is basically to lease long-term um, properties and then, uh, you know, lease it out to uh, tenants on a short-term basis. It's not as if they are using idle uh, capacity. It's actually, they are basically injecting fresh capital. Uh, and so, to me, the yeah. business model is not really one of sharing economy. You Sorry, I well, went on. <laughs> you might as well call hotels a sharing economy. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Uh, or, or even uh, short-term house rentals or something of that nature. Um, and people, the way it works, just for anyone who's not experienced this, it is a very premium experience as well which 
is another aspect of this, and perhaps it's something that's problematic for them. I mean, if I was a startup, I wouldn't want to be putting in a huge amount of money um, mm. just for the sake of a fancy office space, unless I was very confident in my financial stability. Um, the other aspect of it, though, is is that you are in a specific space. Uh, you have your corner, you have your desk, you have your room, whatever it happens to be. Right. right? So, so the advantage of rework, I think, is the flexibility because you don't have to be locked into, you know, a long term lease uh, with mm. the landlord. You can, as you said, you can actually just hire a one desk and not just a whole uh, office space. You can sort of, you know, lease it by the hour if you wanted. So the flexibility is definitely a diff- distinguishing factor from other ordinary accommodation but the actual business model to me it's not a sharing economy and you can share some drinks there it's <laughs> true um, one of its selling points Zhang Hua, i mean we, I, I don't want to sort of spend our whole time giving an advert of we work but it's important <laughs> that people understand what kind of arrangement we're actually talking about here so um it, it's sharing in as much as you can have various different businesses sharing a particular office space, but that's not really radically different to various businesses sharing an office tower as has been happening for decades. That's right. I mean, there are other you know businesses not as well known that, that don't really you know pride themselves as you know the latest high tech companies that actually you know had very similar business models. And what is quite you know, interesting about WeWork's saga is that you know how fast they fell from you know from kind of a you know high pay place to now just scraping by. They're about to uh, lay off about you know a couple of thousand employees worldwide. Uh, I guess in the, with the latest soft bank in you know, a rescue they're not going to go quite bankrupt but you know just mere 10 months ago january of this year they actually had a fresh capital injection where they were valued at 47 billion dollars and it was at that point there they you know prided themselves as the highest you know the most expensive company that hasn't gone public yet but while their you know initial public offering you know kind of unveiled during august and september everything on uh, kind of you know, fell apart sort of in you know, the house of cars fell mm-hmm. and now in the latest uh, the, the, the rescue package put, up, put on by South SoftBank I think the, the, the valuation reported is 8 billion so 41 billion to 8 billion in mere 10 months that that must set some kind of record can we just also get your thoughts on the uh, definition of a sharing economy as Professor Cho was talking about because whilst that made perfect sense it um, does certainly feel like we have to acknowledge there are various businesses that are apparently part of the sharing economy that don't fit the idea of just taking spare assets and putting them to use. People are obviously creating things like, for example, those electric scooters, sticking them on the streets, or the uh, tarungi bicycles, sticking them on the streets. They've been created for that purpose, but you basically hire them for a short period of time, and that, that's sort of lumbered into that category. Yeah, well, I guess, you know, what... You know, kind of. It's not we work wasn't originally in, in its business model, but I guess I'm sympathetic to the fact that they could have created some value, and I'm sure that you know many many of the locations that we work actually do create value in the sense that you know many, many landlords they don't like to you know break up their uh, the buildings into small pieces and you know, you know lease these spaces on a short term basis. So what we work has done is kind of become a middleman. You know, they take taking a large amount of uh, you know office spaces you know, and then 
break them up into small pieces and you know actually willing to rent them at a very small uh, small pieces in that case they're kind of transforming kind of very lumbering uh, real estate assets to which could be very lucrative business model except that you know they were very much you know uh, you know held hostage to downturns in real estate market which happened basically you know just on that definition so i think um you were perhaps um, questioning whether it's just taking existing idle asset and putting Mm, it to mm. work. And yes, uh, that's not necessarily the only way that sharing economy can work. As you said, uh, things like these um, Daringi bicycles, uh, that's certainly sort of, you know, taking a new asset. But uh, the sharing part of it is that um, it's not owned by just one person. Uh, It's owned by, you know, the, the city and lots of people can Uh, rented by the hour or you know by the day if they wanted. Also, so, Zhong Huang, sitting to my left, um, just said something very interesting. Mm-hmm. The middleman or the middlewoman. Yes. If WeWork is acting like a middleman or middlewoman, mm-hmm. that's not that doesn't seem to seem fit the, the sharing economy because um, the sharing economy, as I've just googled, is uh, an e- economic model defined as a peer-to-peer-based activity of acquiring, providing, or sharing access to goods and and services that is often facilitated uh, by a community-based online platform. And and that uh, definition comes to us from Investopedia, just to be fully transparent. I mean... Well, this is the thing. WeWork is basically like a platform, or or so they like to think themselves as as that, because what they're doing is renting this space from the landlord um, and then leasing it out to tenants, right? So they are acting as middlemen. But um, if, when you sort of think about it that way, I mean, Airbnb is also in a way a middleman that connects the, the people with accommodation um, with people who want accommodation. So they are, it's basically this idea of platform in a business where right. you are sort of matching demand and supply. But uh, it'd be very different if there was a, some website called WeWork that just, you know, allowed people who had some space for work to get together with people who are looking for space to exactly. work and, and that go would to be, that space. Yes, that, exactly. And that would be the, the sort of classic platform you know, type uh, of business model. Whereas WeWork is really acting as a, a, um, a landlord themselves. Right. Well, thank you very much, uh, Professor Cho, uh, sitting alongside me. Um, we've... Uh, got plenty more to digest i'm sure in our radio salon coming up here on tbs efm good morning to you it's 8 30 we've got um a really interesting topic on we work and its business troubles uh, and it's taken us in all sorts of tangents on the whole sharing economy discussion and actually whether we work even fits into that it certainly doesn't do so very neatly, spills over in various directions. Uh, so, uh, Zhong Huang, thank you very much for bringing that in to us, courtesy of uh, your role as legal research with Law Quant LLC. Uh, we've also got Professor Choi Young from Hong University Law School, who will be bringing us a separate topic, also related to the sharing economy, I believe, in a few moments. But first, let's continue with WeWork. Uh, and we were questioning whether it even can be defined in those terms, whether or not it is part of the sharing economy, uh, the business model, Zhang Huang, seems to be under a great threat. And I suspect part of this is because they have limited their pool of potential clients, customers, whatever you want to call them, um, peers, uh, if it's really peer-to-peer. Because basically, if you're an established company, you've probably got a premises. 
and, and you've got your own office with your big shiny name on it. Uh, if you are a, a startup looking for a space or an individual looking for a desk, something like a premium sharing workspace like WeWork is going to be very costly for you. So, who, in other words, that's a small number of people straight away, relatively speaking, that can afford that and, and would benefit from the prestige yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think fundamentally, I mean, while WeWork wanted to, you know, sort of pride themselves and try to market themselves as, you know, brand new, new economy, high tech kind of a company, at the end of the day, it was a real estate company. So if somehow the state of economy was that the demand for real estate spaces, especially in small pieces, I mean, even the established companies, if they expand, they might suddenly need space. And if they can't get some, some, some place really quickly, they might go to WeWork. And if that kind of conditions, uh, continue that WeWork's business might expand. But as we saw, in the, uh, basically in WeWork's case, you know, they never really made m- money. And, you know, while they were privately held company, there were critics who criticized the fact that they were have showing these massive losses. Once they did try to go public, the kind of critics multiplied, you know, by dozens and dozens. And, they, and, and WeWork just was not able to complete its public offering. I mean, at the end of the day, the fact is, as Mr. Huang said, it's just a real estate company. But but it had such ludicrous valuation. I mean, for those people who remember the dot-com bubble, for me, it was a complete deja vu because the business model wasn't anything innovative. Um, the And yet, just because it had the, you know, sort of this sort of packaging around it of the sharing economy, mm. the new innovation, la-di-da, um, platform business, and like something, 47 billion. I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous number. Um, and Mr. Huang also mentioned that it's accepted a rescue uh package or offer by SoftBank that has already invested $8 billion. And I suspect that SoftBank basically is sort of, you know, doing this not because they want to, but because they are sort of they can't really let go of the sunk cost. And so they are trying to salvage something from this wreck. Also, Zhang Huang, we've got these uh, employees of WeWork. You might think in a, in a sharing economy, you kind of bypass even the need for many employees. Uh, that's not the case, obviously, with certain options like some some of the car sharing services which are basically just like taxis i think we're going to touch on that shortly but 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 uh, actually when you go to a we work office you go to the washroom you find that there are all these toothbrushes the mouthwash the toothpaste there are the bars there are the snacks that get topped up every day i mean it's, it's actually very much like a a hotel facility in that respect and people have to keep stocking that up and cleaning things up yeah, and which which was why the WeWork as actually compared to their competitors tend to be kind of expensive if you're coming from a very small tenant uh, tenant's point of view. I mean, as and you mentioned the you know founder the the kind of the unfortunate story, but behind this is that WeWork is now going to you know lay off you know probably anywhere from two thousand to you know multiples of that number, while the the former CEO and the founder Adam Newman is supposed to get away with you know, a very healthy golden package out of this. I mean, yeah. contributing to the, the higher um, price charge, charge by new WeWork is this, um, you know, self-dealing that the CEO engaged in. I mean, it was cancelled um, when there was so much criticism, but he actually tried to 
license um, the trademark we that he managed managed to get to the company for five million dollars, right? And he got his wife appointed to a position uh, in the company so that she basically has the final say in the choice of um, his successor. And there was so much, um, you know, gossip around his behavior and practices. For example, he's a, I think he's a vegetarian and he basically disallowed his employees from eating meat to the extent that if you went out, you know, um, for a business yes, meal. Yes, I recall that. Yeah, and, and if you went to a meat restaurant, then you couldn't uh, get it exp- get the expense paid back by the company, oh. for example. I mean, just complete sort of, you know, gaga kind of type of well. behavior by the CEO who's supposed to be managing this multi-billion dollar company. Uh, by the way, is it just WeWork, or do they? You know, speaking of this We thing, are they doing We Move or yeah, they We have Live a whole and all that kind of bunch stuff? Of initiatives, but you can you can feel as if all those initiatives will be cast aside right. in the cost cutting move. Is is there any final words to say on this, Jung Huang? Before we move on, I suppose the one you know the silver lining in the whole affair is the fact that kind of the system worked. I mean, you know, it seems that the SoftBank and various investment bankers kind of drank the Kool Aid and valued the company if we went to the uh, the public market anywhere between 40 to 90 billion dollars if the IPO was to go ahead but when the investors saw you know publicly filing for the first time they kind of realized what a crazy company this was and you know they they, they had to you know slash the, down their evaluation to the point that they said okay we, we need to cancel it in the sense when the disclosure came and everybody kind of looked at you know kind of focused on WeWork's you know details they realized what a crazy company was and you know it kind of came back to where it was supposed to be right let's move on thank you great topic to start off with uh, but round two now or the second half depending on how you want to how do you want to call it professor Cho? Uh, second round yes um, part two. it's part two because it's basically on the same theme uh, of uh, the so-called sharing economy but that's really just masquerading as sharing economy which it isn't um, and you mentioned uh this sort of taxi service-like business. And that's precisely what we're going to be talking about. Um, I have noticed recently driving around Seoul a lot more um, these larger vehicles with this very distinctive logo Tada on um, sort of on on the on the side. Does that? Can I just quickly check? Does that have any particular meaning in Korean? Yes, yes, it Uh, means to ride. Yeah, Yeah, to get in. Do you think they're aware of the? The meaning in English when when you sort of say "tada" and it's sort of like ah, "there's your solution" or "there's the yeah. there's the kind of reveal." Possibly, um, it could actually, yeah, it, 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 it's something that works in both languages. Yeah, yeah. but I, I wonder whether it's completely accidental or not. Um, I don't know right. so much the background of the CEO or the the person who actually came up with the name. Um, but okay, it could but be. it's clever anyway. Uh, yes, absolutely. Have you ever tried uh, "tada"? I, I have uh, on a handful of occasions and. Um, I've got to say, I think that there is or there should be very little friction with the traditional uh, orange, silver, blue taxis that you find here in Seoul because uh, I would never get a Tada if it was just me going from A to B in Seoul. However, if I was with four other people trying to get from A to B in Seoul, yeah, then it comes into its own because you can all go in the same vehicle together. Uh, or if I was seeking particular comfort for some reason. But it, to me, it's a different experience. Right. It's, okay. again, it, it's a bit like the 
the taxi van version of WeWork. It's a premium service that uh-huh. doesn't compare. Yes. So you noticed, obviously, the size of the vehicle, which is much bigger than ordinary taxis. Yeah. Um, and do you know why that is? I, I've been told, because we've done it a few times in our right. business roundup, that they, they officially have to have something like 11 seats. I've never been in a Tada vehicle that's showing 11 seats, though. They, they're always... Let me count. One, two... Maybe up to seven. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, maybe. Uh-huh, yeah. I, I, maybe they've got some others hidden away somewhere. Yes. So, technically, it's actually illegal to operate a business where you are um, hiring a driver and a car at the same time. Um, basically, a taxi service without a taxi permit. But the exception to that rule is if you are renting a an 11 to, up to... 15-person seater vehicle, then you can hire a driver at the same time because, you know, it might be a bit unwieldy to operate such a large vehicle if you only have an ordinary license. And so that's the exception that Tada is basically exploiting to provide their service. I mean, these are basically, Zhonghua, aren't they, uh, family vans that that people are familiar with already, but they are uh, somehow selling them as 11 seat vehicles again i i don't quite know i I don't doubt that they can fit 11 seats in there because i I think at the back you can actually pull down some seats um where where the the where where usually the um the the back part of the car is i'd rather be on a bus than be with 10 other people in uh one of those vehicles (laughs) i think i'd rather be in just about any other vehicle Um, but yeah, it's Zheng, Zheng Huang, what's your view on so, this? So, I mean, Tada is a fascinating example in the sense that one, they're uh, specifically exploiting a you know, legal loophole that existed, and they kind of saw this and they say, hey, we, uh, we couldn't do this if we have cars that have less than 11 seats, but we could do this for this very uh, narrow segment. And the company itself also was, you know, preceded, you know, is, is, well, coexisting with another company called Socar, it's the same group of companies. That, that company that really is actually is a rental, rental car yes. kind, of, kind of concept. So, so actually, you know, they probably had some cars coming from the rental cars and they were thinking, well, we, these certain, you know, the caravans are not renting too well. Can to a taxi service and they probably that's probably how they hit yeah. upon this business model I mean, so in that sense I guess they're sharing between two two sister companies they've been a bit naughty they're operating in a loophole the grey area whatever you want to call it and therefore the, the protest that we heard about in our hourly bulletin just a few minutes ago that's going to be taking place around uh, the assembly area going to be filled with traffic um, they're going to be I mean, I hope not out of hand because we've seen horrible tragedies in the past where taxi drivers have self-immolated over yes, these kinds I, I of think, issues. Yes, um, three cases that we know of this year of taxi drivers, you know, setting themselves on fire in protest against these uh, ride-sharing businesses. Um, and it's not just; it wasn't just Tada. Obviously, that was there was Kakao Taxi yep. that um, offered. Uh, this kind of taxi service, basically, but then they withdrew it. Um, Uber, obviously, was the first um, of its kind. Yes. And it tried to enter the Korean market quite a number of years ago, I think 2014, and it had to withdraw, and it's now operating a different type of service. But Um, can I, I mean, just to clarify, again, with the type of van that Tada operates... Mm -hmm. The only taxi taxi that could compare would be either those kind of so-called airport cool vans mm-hmm. or just some of the bigger 
official taxis, but there are very few of them, relatively speaking. You, you, you usually only come across them when you actually order one, right? You don't see them generally just driving around looking for customers. Yes, true. Um, but, but the fact is, Tada, Tada is a different service, and yet it does compete with taxi services in um, some markets because... Mm. Uh, particularly um, when people, you know, want to call a cab and they uh, are unable to for whatever reason, or, or, or the cabs are not there promptly, then they do use Uber Tada as a um, a sort of re- replacement service as well. And that, that wrapped inside that, um, Mr. Huang, is this uh, argument, isn't it? That uh, well, actually, if there aren't enough taxis. Can they really argue against the introduction of extra services at certain times, at least? Well, I mean, they're arguing that by allowing those services and other times and all times, you know, their their livelihood is getting cut. And, you know, the fact is that, you know, t- you know taxi driver is not, you know, kind of a high-paying job or taxi license is so, uh, such expensive, you know, matter in, in Seoul. I mean, I'll contrast against, you know, New York City before entry of uh, Uber and Lyft into the market. The New York City taxi medallion costs rose as high as over $1 million. So there was, you know, clearly, you know, a lot of inefficiency going on in the way the taxis operated as opposed to, you know, Korea. In Korea, I mean, if you say $1 million, $1 million just for a permit to operate one taxi i mean that's kind of laughable so i mean there are probably some uh, you know inefficiencies existing but not to the extent that in some other markets that justify the use use of uber and other similar services yes and the reason why tada has been in the media once again is because um tada had announced on its first anniversary of its launch mm. that it was going to expand its service by adding 10,000 more vehicles right. to its fleet and also increasing its um, pool of drivers to by 50,000 And that's what's really people. caused a lot of this exactly. latest animosity. Especially because back in July when you know the dispute was you know at its peak the Ministry of Land and Transport came out and basically tried to mediate among the stakeholders. And they announced a proposal mid-July um, about a w- way forward uh, that, that would sort of basically um, look after the existing taxi drivers, particularly those in you know, a one-person business uh, that depend on that you know taxi service for their, their livelihood, um, as well as this development through, you know, um, platform technology that allows, um, you know, people to share their own vehicles. So they try to kind of limit carpooling service like one that Kakao offered to certain times, certain peak, you know, traffic hours between, you know, maybe seven and nine in the morning and then maybe eight and ten in the evening or something. And for Tada, what they proposed was that they would basically have to contribute per vehicle that they operate a certain amount of money. I think okay. it was 400,001. Um, as social contribution, which would then be used to buy up taxi permits. So basically, Tada would be indirectly purchasing taxi permits to operate their business. And that was really sort of the deal that, um, the compromise that parties sort of agreed on at the time. But what Tada announced just recently flies directly in the face of that proposal. Okay. So they've been... At best, cheeky, uh, naughty. Very much so, yeah. yes. So, but but at the same time, from a consumer point of view, which matters hugely in, mm. I think, making business decisions and regulation decisions, 
A lot of people complain that taxi drivers sometimes seem to have things their own way, especially busy times. They pick and choose their customers. They can be rude. Um, I know they're operating under difficult circumstances. I'm not expecting them to roll out the red carpet, but but sometimes they go beyond that into full rudeness. And that having more options would ensure that everyone would have to compete with some politeness. Absolutely, and those are the exact arguments up, uh, you know, put up by Tada. Basically, if taxi industry was satisfying the existing market, you know, their their service wouldn't be necessary. And as you said, the biggest complaint, customer complaint about taxi ser- drive taxi service is that um, they refuse service. I mean, at they, times. At times, yes. Um, particularly if the driver is towards the end of his shift and he wants to, he needs to go back to his depot, um, but the customer wants to go in the opposite direction, you would often get refused. Um, also, if the customer is only traveling a short distance, they may refuse as well because they think it's not worth their time. So they're basically breaching the fundamental principle of taxi service, which is the cab rank rule. I mean, using Kakao Taxi as an app um, has. L- I think largely solved some of these issues. At, at least when it, if you're if using you can it, get a cab. if you're using <laughs> it in a time and place yes. w- when it's basically not terribly busy, mm-hmm. then that solves a lot of that friction. Mm-hmm. However, but, you know but the free market still- would, in theory, resolve. Many of these tensions. One would think yes, um, and there are other issues like you mentioned: uh, drivers talking too much. Um, Cards smelling of cigarette, um, not being very clean, etc., etc., and these are the kind of you know things that uh, services like Tada has addressed. But you're right, uh, free market would address that. And Mr. Huang already mentioned taxi medallion prices in New York, but even in Korea, uh, the taxi permits used to cost more than a hundred million won mm. at at. Uh, a That's few insane. years ago, yes. Uh, but nowadays, it's down to about 70,000 won. But obviously, 70, sorry, 70 million won. I was say 70,000. Get pardon. a taxi. Today. Yes, 70 million. But if you allowed more and more of these um, ride-sharing services, obviously that price is going to uh, go down a lot more. And that is really threatening um, not just the livelihood, but the sort of the investment in the retirement plan of all the taxi drivers. Right. Um, but we can sort of look at what's been happening around the world because it's not just in Korea that um, these riding, ride-sharing services have come under scrutiny. Well, I, I wanted to give a quick example. So mm. I, th- this summer I was in Indonesia mm. and uh, there I was recommended by pretty much everyone to use ride-sharing apps because if I just go with the local traditional taxis, Mm. I'm in danger of getting ripped off, in danger of perhaps not being safe, all all sorts of issues. It was like flipped around completely. Uh, And then when we got back to Korea, um, I actually looked into the option of taking a Tada from the airport, but the Mm -hmm. the, the suggestion was that it was so expensive. Mm -hmm. It was basically cheaper to get two normal taxis than to get one Tada. So that was my Your recent experience. two cents worth. <laughs> right. But you don't know, for example, what a taxi permit costs in Indonesia. Right? Yeah, d- maybe a different story. But, mm. but nonetheless... So it's difficult to compare because the regulations are different. The market structure is different. So just... But, a, yeah. but one thing I wanted to say was local mm. taxis here, just at least they're very trustworthy. At least mm-hmm. they're... I mean, Let's face it, most cases, they're absolutely fine. There are always the horror stories, but most cases, they are the most reliable way 
to get from A, A to B. Right, and and the the fares are really reasonable, especially if you compare it uh, on uh, internationally. I mean, it's probably some of the cheapest taxi fares given the the standard of service that yeah. you can get. I think anywhere in the world. So, th- th- you know, we should value them. We should cherish them. Zhang Huang, do you think the ideal scenario then is to create a space where they can continue to thrive and to be valued, but not squash the global trend towards, if not a sharing economy, then at least private taxi options? Well, I mean, I guess I'll sort of you know hold off on my judgment, but the latest ministry proposal seems to sort of put a thumb on the scale in the sense that it's not just Tada in the market, excuse me. But Kakao has entered into the market, and they're actually their model is actually uh, instead of you know buying up all these rental rental cars which Tada has done, we are actually going to buy up taxis. You know they've actually bought, bought up you know, individual taxis as well as taxi companies, and then you know use those taxis to enter into the market. And actually, in you know, ministry's uh, proposal is, is tends to sort of side with Kakao's uh, business business model versus uh, versus Tada's business model. And you know I kind of wonder is it. Right, I mean, inadvertently or not, and also, you know, Kakao sort of has more backing of the taxi drivers, but mm. is ministry doing uh, doing the right thing by sort of, you know, saying that hey, we'll, we'll set up a system where Kakao's model will win out versus Natada's model? Well, well, you know, the ministry basically has to give an exit strategy for taxi drivers because you know, the writing is on the wall, really, for them, um, especially given that autonomous driving is advancing rapidly and maybe in a few years we are not going to be seeing any taxi drivers on the oh streets. wow that's that just throws in really a bigger protest down the line mm-hmm. we've got to leave it there thank you very much professor Cho. thank, thank you. you very much john wang we could see tada drivers alongside traditional taxi drivers against the robots in the future fascinating discussion